Hi, everybody. I'm Patrick McEnroe, and this is Holding Court. All right, time for a special edition of Holding Court, everyone. Patrick McEnroe here, and I'm very, very happy to be joined by Mr. Mike Dixon, who's been covering tennis and uh, other sports in England and all around the world for many, many years, particularly for the Daily Mail. And uh, Mike has been extremely busy with this sort of breaking story coming out of the UK and the All England Club that the Russian athletes, Belarusian athletes as well, uh, could possibly be banned from competing, not just at Wimbledon, of course, but it's some of the lead-up tournaments as well. So I appreciate you joining me, Mike, quickly. It's uh, evening time in London, and I know, I know you're still running around covering this. So what's the latest? What can you tell us about uh, how you found out about this and what the repercussions have been thus far uh, on your side of the ocean? Uh, well, la- last night, our time, I-, I kind of had a sniff of it, really, but um, for whatever reason, couldn't couldn't quite uh, nail it down. But I think there was always likely to be something coming out before next week because uh, next week is the annual um, spring press conference, they call it, at the All England Club, where they kind of unveil, um, you know, innovations and new policies for the tournament that's coming up in a couple of months. So that was on the horizon. And I think possibly that kind of focused a few minds at the All England Club um, about you know, ex- explaining the position and coming out with this uh, this firm policy, and then uh, obviously crystallised really today in the UK as, as the day uh, as the day went on. And actually, mid afternoon our time was when uh, the All England Club kind of formally put a statement out. And what is what is formally the statement? Because uh, I'm I'm getting sort of mixed messages at the moment, Mike. That maybe they'll allow the Russian and Belarusian players to play, but not under their flag, or they're not going to allow them to play. Period. Uh, well, I think it's a latter, Patrick. Uh, mm-hmm. As it stands at the moment, I mean, obviously, we all pray that somehow there might be some kind of resolution to this conflict in the Ukraine. But I have to say, certainly from where I stand and from talking to people at Wimbledon, that certainly wasn't their impression that there was going to be any substantial improvement in the coming weeks. I think I think the picture looked a bit more optimistic there a couple of weeks ago, but clearly things are very bad there at the moment. Um, and I think with that in mind, they felt, the likelihood that things aren't going to particularly improve there, sadly, uh, in the coming weeks, they have to come out and, and state their policy. Now, you've been covering tennis, as I said, for many, many years. In fact, where you're talking to me now, as you told me just before you came on, you can actually see the All England Club as you live in the Wimbledon area. Um, did, are you surprised by this? I mean, you know, this has been, there've been, I've been hearing rumblings about this for a couple of months. I think it was the sports minister in the UK that initially put out a statement maybe about six, eight weeks ago. And uh, so I was making the rounds on a lot of the shows back here, Mike, sort of saying at least my view, which was that I thought that that this would not happen. I thought that is very unfair to the individual players. Um, but now that it, it seemingly is going to happen, can you decipher for us 
why you think it's come to this for the All England Club? Is has there been pressure from the 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 national government? Where do you think this is coming from? Well, I, I, firstly, I, I'm not actually entirely surprised that it has come to this. I, I kind of thought that far peace breaking out in Ukraine, um, this was a, a likely outcome. I'm a little bit surprised. Um, I would say that it's come this early. I thought. Wimbledon might hold off for uh, another couple of weeks, possibly three weeks, to see if there was any upturn there. Um, so, you know, given given all that's happening, I'm actually not that surprised. I mean, I'll tell you something possibly that, um, you know, perhaps people in the US would be less familiar with, but I was at the Miami Open recently, and it did quite strike me that, the whole Ukraine thing, and understandably, because it's many more thousands of miles away, it seemed to be much less high on the agenda than it is here in Europe. I mean, here in the UK, we're obviously kind of at the opposite end of Europe, but it is, you know, it's massive here. It's it's 24-7 on the news, pretty much. Um, Boris Johnson's government has taken a very bullish line, um, and he is considered here, I think, for all his many other failings to have um, actually been pretty sound so far on Ukraine. I mean, it wasn't exactly clear um, how much of this is Wimbledon and how much of it is government pressure. I think basically they were saying that it is fundamentally a Wimbledon decision, Mm. but it is clearly in line with the sort of UK government guidance. So it's a little bit of both. I think this has ultimately come from Wimbledon, but there's no doubt this will have gone down well in the UK government circles. And, and Wimbledon and the government have a sort of, I'd say, pretty good lines of communication open with each other. Um, and the end result is that we are where we are today. And of course, uh, Mike Dixon, by the way, joining me here on Holding Court. Of course, the All England Club is a private club, so essentially they can sort of make their own rules. But uh, I totally hear where you're coming from, Mike, when you talk about how this is playing out in Europe. I mean, it is uh, 24-7 on, on, the new, on a lot of the news stations here as well. But what you're saying is that y- you believe that the, the, sort of the European public is more tuned into this, more dialed in, and willing to take uh, an even harder stand. Because when you look at the tournaments on the on the men's tour, the ATP tour, and the WTA tour, the women's tour, they have not taken this step yet. There's tournaments going on as we speak all over Europe, in Belgrade, in Barcelona, in Stuttgart for the women, where, by the way, your Emma Raducanu had a nice win today, so we'll hopefully she'll get back on track, but that we can talk about that another day. But what you're saying is this, you feel that the, the European public is more tuned into this, obviously because of the, the history that they've, they've known and gone through, uh, which is a little bit different than what we experience here in the United States? Well, I can only say from my experience of being in South Florida, and I know South Florida isn't the whole of the United States, but... You got that right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I've been there many times. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is very uh, prominent here, and I think when these things are a bit closer to home, yeah, there's an awful lot of East Europeans live in the United Kingdom, even now after Brexit. Um, So, 
it, it, it's pretty high up the agenda. And I think also, you know, Wimbledon would have looked at a few other things. I mean, I certainly don't think they would have welcomed the prospect of people with kind of placards during the championships maybe protesting about it. And I, I suspect they may also have looked at what happened in Australia um, with the Djokovic thing, which I know is a, a completely different issue, but that kind of ran right down to the wire and, and sort of developed into a bit of a fiasco, didn't it? Yes. And I suppose that maybe focused the mind on making a kind of clean, hard decision and kind of facing the consequences now or in the next few weeks, you know, rather than letting it run right down to... Uh, uh, to, to the start of the tournament, which is actually, I mean, still two months away. That's why I'm a little bit surprised they've gone quite this early. Um, so there are a, a number of uh, factors involved. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that the, the LTA, who run the grass court tournament in the UK leading into Wimbledon, I think they're a little bit more vulnerable in this because as you and I know about the kind of structure of the tour. The Grand Slams obviously operate independently, but I mean, these events like, for instance, uh, Queens and Birmingham and Nottingham and Eastbourne, for example, I mean, they're, they're completely wrapped up in the ATP and WTA tours and some sort of signatory to their policies. So I think in perhaps terms of potential sort of challenges in legal terms or any kind of sanctions, I think they're possibly a bit more vulnerable. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. And and for those of you who don't aren't aware, uh, what Mike is talking about is the fact that it's not just Wimbledon, uh, the big Grand Slam of the major event that's uh, is going to be affected by this decision. It's also the lead up tournaments, which now take place over the course of three weeks, right after the French Open ends. And uh, so, not only are you talking about these players from Russia and Belarus uh, missing Wimbledon, but you're really talking about missing a, an entire month three to five weeks of the season, um, which is going to substantially affect the players, their rankings, their ability to make money, so on and so forth. So uh, obviously the tennis world has made the decision or had made the decision, Mike, to ban Russia as a country from participating in whether it's the Davis Cup, the Billie Jean King Cup, from having the countries, um, uh, you know, for Daniel Medvedev, for example, having him be a Russian player, that wasn't going, that doesn't happen even at this point as these players, for example, Andre Rublev is playing as we speak in Belgrade. So next to his name, it doesn't say the country. Uh, I thought that that would be the way this would go down uh, at the All England Club. So uh, again, you are not surprised. You're more dialed into the inner workings of the All England Club than I am, having covered it for so long. But to me, the interesting part is that they would have had to, I would think, Mike, certainly get the blessing of the LTA, the Lawn Tennis Association in the UK that runs these other events. Uh, as you said, the All England Club could basically do whatever they want. But they, I'm sure they did their due diligence in... In, in talking to the LTA to get them to agree, I'm wondering if if how they went about this with the ATP and the WTA, because based on what we've heard thus far from those two groups, it sounds like they were surprised by this decision today. Do you agree? Well, I think they, as I understand it, they kind of were informed late yesterday, uh, European time. Um, 
just, just to go back on something you've just said about the, the sort of slightly complicated relationship between Wimbledon and the LTA, bear in mind that Wimbledon, the, the LTA is by far its biggest funder uh, are the profits from the annual Wimbledon Championships. So, um, you, you know, possibly you kind of can get the tail wagging the dog here. Um, so bear that in mind that, you know, the LTA is very reliant Right. In financial terms, uh, on the on the All England Club, I, I think something else worth bearing in mind is, you know, Wimbledon is an event that, uh, perhaps you know, unlike Birmingham or Nottingham or something, really transcends sport in this country. You know, it's a kind of national event. It's on the BBC. You you will know this, Patrick, and probably most of your listeners do. But yeah, you know, it, it really can't be overstated. Kind of what a kind of mainstream event it is and I, I do think that in the midst of all this there's a kind of fear at the All England Club that if the obviously some very good Russian and Belarusian players how it would look with um, you know potentially Russian Belarusian players on the centre court and by the way it's the centenary of the centre court this year so it's a special year mm-hmm. for you know what is a great historic arena Right, you know, just just how that how that would be perceived, and you know, with a member of the royal family possibly giving the trophy, um, you know, that's kind of seen, I think, as quite a risk, um, and I'm sure that was one of the multitude of things that they had to weigh up in what is a very difficult decision for them. Yeah, certainly Daniil Medvedev is a guy that could win Wimbledon. He's not one of the guys who'd be the absolute favorite, but certainly, uh, assuming he comes back from his injury, his hernia, <clears throat> excuse me, then Arena Sabalenka, who's from Belarus, who got to the semifinals last year, and certainly she could be someone holding it. So I agree with you on that, Mike. I think the All England Club, the idea of one of those players actually holding the trophy, as you said, is a risk that they're not willing to take. So I know you've got to run. I appreciate you given me all the time you've given me, but you did mention him, and I want to just quickly get your take on Novak Djokovic because you were all over this uh, story down in Australia. In fact, one of your lines was Novak Djokovic could ruin his chances of becoming the greatest of all time by refusing to take the vaccine. It is a strange hill to die on, uh, was a quote from one of your pieces in the Daily Mail. So uh, I guess my first question is, will he play uh, it sounds like he will. It sounds like he'll be able to get into the UK. It sounds like that will happen in the US as well, although we don't know that definitively yet. Uh, yeah, he will definitely play. I mean, you know, I, I think sometimes when you're not in the country, um, you know, it's, it's kind of difficult to gauge what the situation is. And the UK really has been very normal for a long time now, really, in terms of how people are living. And, um, it's pretty much touch wood completely back to normal now. So uh, there's absolutely no danger. I, I mean, unless there's some kind of horrible left field COVID variant arrives, there's no danger that he won't be able to uh, uh, to play. And I think kind of that issue has somewhat, uh, somewhat died down, really. I mean, it was obviously massive uh, around the Australian Open, but... Um, It'd be interesting. I mean, I, I still think it'll be interesting to see how he's received in Paris and, and at Wimbledon particularly. Um, I mean, he, he's not the most populous. I mean, it's not like tennis crowds here are particularly hostile, but 
you know, I think there'll be an element of people who've been pretty ticked off with uh, how he's behaved in the last year. Um, that'll be quite interesting to see. But it, I mean, hey, I don't think it'll be too scary for him. And and uh, you know, and, and B, it's certainly not a danger at this point that he won't play. Put it like that. And obviously, if he does play, you and I both know that he will be a very strong favourite. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, well, listen, Mike, uh, we could go on for a long, long time, but I know you got to run to do some other TV and media stuff there in London. So I very much appreciate you jumping on. You can follow Mike at, at Mike underscore Dixon underscore DM uh, uh, on Twitter. He's a great follow, and he's all over uh, these tennis stories uh, 24-7. So thank you so much. Enjoy that view of Wimbledon, and I will be there in a couple of months. Can't wait to be back. Look forward to seeing you, Patrick. All right, Mike Dixon, everyone here on Holding Court. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.